Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? Hey, bro. Hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> Not much. How you doing? Pretty good. Yep. Another week of quarantine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How was your movie week this time? This it's been week? pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, what about you? How's it going? It was good. Movie-wise. Um, I'm slowing down a little bit. I've been caught up with reading. Uh, I'm not going to bring this up at the end of the episode, so I'll just say it now. I'm still reading 1984 mm-hmm. by George Orwell, and uh, it's getting really good. It just took a massive left turn that I was not expecting. Uh, nice. So that's good. Yeah, I've just been reading a lot and um, just trying to finish up the book because I'm a super slow reader. So, like, I want to... Not that I, like, read slow. I just never read. So right, like, right. Yeah. It just takes me forever to get through a book because I never pick it up. Uh, but uh, it's really, really good, and I'm hoping to finish it this week. Nice. Yeah, uh, it's been good for me as well. Just another week. So nice. uh, before we jump into the actual episode, I just wanted to put our email, our, yeah, our email up front before we get going. It's a bro, have you seen podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So just in case you don't make it all the way through the episode or if you've been a returning listener, we finally got the email up. Uh, give us some feedback. Positive, negative, constructive criticism would help, but yeah, maybe just a simple, hey guys, love the show. So it'd be sure. good to hear from anybody out there. Yeah, just to know if anyone's listening because we don't really have any way of knowing. Yep. We do this because we love it and like yep. we like talking about movies, so we're going to keep doing it no matter if zero or 2,000 people are listening. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to... Uh, connect with the community a little bit and uh you know get get some of y'all's thoughts back but uh yeah cool yeah just wanted to put that up up front but uh yeah let's dive right into the episode the the real meat of the episode here um so this week's movie is quite possibly one of my favorites uh and although i've only seen two of his nine films this director might also be one of my favorites and as well as the era of cinema this comes from so um, I'm excited to dig a little deeper, and I'm really excited that I got to recommend this to you. So this week, I'm asking you, bro, have you seen Yee Yee, directed by Edward Yang from the year 2000? What did you think? Um, give me some initial impressions, things you liked, things you didn't, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah, well, I have seen Yee Yee now. This is the first time I've seen it. You recommended it to me. And my initial thoughts, you know, I honestly was taken by surprise because at least the cover of the movie would suggest that it's all about this young boy. Uh, And I came to find out that it's not about him as much as I thought it would be. There's a lot of characters Mm -hmm. and many of them look somewhat similar in like just their haircuts and their dress and all that. And so... Um, it was pretty confusing for the, at least the first half of the movie, um, before I really started kind of connecting the dots on who's who and what they're doing and kind of what the different right. storylines are. Um, a lot of it really did work for me. Uh, for the most part, while I was watching, I wasn't like responding super positively to it. I didn't really know why. Um, but as I've been thinking about it more and discussing it more, I definitely uh, have a lot of appreciation for the film and what it's doing. And so for the most part, I really do like the stuff with Yang Yang, the little boy. Um, 
he's probably the central figure of the movie, even though he's not in very many scenes uh, as a whole. It's a three-hour movie, so yeah. uh, there's a lot going on. But he is definitely the voice of the director. He's definitely our entry point into some of the themes and some of the greater context of you know what we should be looking for and how we should be viewing the movie. Um, and he's just a cute kid. I mean, what he's else adorable. can you say? So funny. He he's awesome, and I love watching him. You know, I've heard it said that you could watch probably two more hours of this movie if it had more of him in it, uh, and I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the stuff with his father NJ, who, you know, is kind of the sheepish guy. He works for like a technology company, and you know, he's just struggling with his own personal life. Um, he's got a wife and two kids and just kind of dealing with his everyday struggles. A lot of the movie seems to be very much focused on, you know, just the everyday struggles of people and kind of the challenges that they have to deal with, uh, in terms of their relationships with other people and, you know, just dealing with the challenges of life. And that stuff worked for me for the most part. Some of the stuff that didn't quite work as well, I feel like the movie was a little bit too overstuffed with plot lines and themes, themes especially. Mm. I feel like Edward Yang had a lot to say in this movie, and I felt like the movie could have benefited from him boiling it down a little bit more, giving us a little more focus and uh, a little more clarity, maybe expounding upon some of the themes that he seems the most interested in, which we'll get to later, but... Uh, some of those minor subplots and minor characters, you know, I probably could have done without. So I'm a little mixed on the movie, but I'd say mm-hmm. I'm, I'm overall fairly positive. I actually nice. enjoyed the experience. I'm so. glad to hear. Yeah. Yeah. This is my second rewatch. Uh, I watched this back in October or something. And as my, my rating has gone down a teeny bit, just it didn't impact me as much this time on some of the emotional notes, but overall I still really love all the themes being presented, and I was able to really dig a little bit deeper in uh, as per usual for a rewatch. And this movie is really dense. It's mm-hmm. It takes a lot of upfront energy, I would say, to kind of figure out, as you were saying, it's confusing all the characters and all the themes, all the little threads. Uh, the movie, and it's kind of made in this way to just kind of show you a bunch of stuff, and you kind of have to make the observations and put the whole picture together. Yeah. And that's kind of a thing we'll talk about with new Taiwanese cinema. It's kind of a, a mark of that movement. And so I, I do really enjoy that about Yang and his films. Um, like I said, I've only seen two, uh, this and A Brighter Summer Day. And they're both very similar in the presentation of the information. Mm-hmm. So that might be something one would consider if I'm wanting to watch it or not. It's a little bit more of a uh, upfront energy and of a thinker i guess in a way it's mm. but very profound and has a lot of relatable aspects to it that are very moving and impactful so yeah i would agree with that and i definitely i think it's kind of edward yang he he gives the audience very limited information um he tells you basically as much as you need and like honestly it feels like sometimes a little less than what you need at the time maybe part of that is just the language barrier maybe part of that is just you know the era that this was filmed in and kind of um you know the direction that this group of filmmakers was going for um but i think a lot of it is kind of what you said there's a lot of energy that the audience has to put into it to piece it all together Mm -hmm. i think he gives you a lot of little snapshots, 
uh, which is, you know, fitting, I guess, for yeah. some of the things in the movie with the camera and whatnot. But it gives you a lot of these little uh, little pieces, like a Lego set, where he, he gives you the package and he kind of just trusts the audience enough to to figure out how to put it all together. Almost with no instructions sometimes, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or limited instructions. Yeah, and you definitely <laughs> have to have a lot of patience with this movie. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Stalker. They're two yeah. very different movies, but Stalker as well kind of forces the audience to have more patience than they're used to. And uh, in the case of Stalker, it definitely, you know, it paid off. And I think patience. it uses the patience and boredom in a really interesting way in that movie. Yeah. And in this, I think it, it, it mostly works um, where he's just kind of fire hosing you at first, at least the first half of the movie. Yeah. Um, or the first hour or so before really any themes start coming out. Um, but then once they do, you start getting glimmers of like, okay, how do these fit together? Um, and, and I really kind of enjoyed the piecing together of it, even though at first I was hesitant or reluctant to do so. Yeah. It takes a while to start getting those, the the bigger picture in mind. And it definitely, um, again, it helps on a rewatch. There's a lot of little details, uh, parallelism working between character themes and threads and, all kinds of stuff. And like you said, it's super packed. I mean, maybe it'd be important to mention this is Yang's last movie before he oh. passed, I think, a year or so after. Like, I didn't know that. So it's also kind of interesting that way when you think about some of the themes and plot points. But uh, yeah, we don't really want to get... There's not a lot of spoilers necessarily, but I mean, it helps to have seen the movie before we go any further so you kind of know what we're talking <laughs> about. So yeah. definitely... We could probably just slightly explain at least some of who the characters are. Um, There's a lot of them, but I think the main ones, at least from my first watch, there's the dad, NJ, uh, his wife, Min Min, Mm -hmm. and then his two kids, a teenage daughter, Ting Ting, and Yang Yang, who's a little boy, probably nine. I think he's eight eight or nine. Eight or nine. I think is what he said. Um, And so the daughter, Ting Ting, has a friend named Lily, who's the neighbor, who's dating a boy named Fatty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he's a big character. So is Lily. So is Lily's mom. And then the other, the main family's grandmother. um, Yeah. She's kind of like sick in bed for most of the movie. And so she's a big character and sort of a vehicle through which a lot of these characters start expressing their themes or their, their desires and, you know, the, the complex ideas that the movie is presenting. Um, and as far as that goes, those are probably the most prominent characters. I don't know if you can think of any others. No, I think that's a really good place to start. Uh, and of course, there's tons of other secondary and tertiary characters yeah. that lend a lot of those other packed themes and little threads, but not as important as some of the overarching things that happen between these like four or five characters. Yeah. Um, the movie does open with a wedding. Um, it's the mom of the family, Min Min, her younger brother who's getting married and, you know, his wife's pregnant. And so that's yeah. kind of like the brother is a bigger player uh, in the movie as we go forward. Um, and his wife is pretty minor. I mean, she has some scenes, but she doesn't do a lot. And so, um, yeah, I feel like that's probably one more character who's who's pretty important yeah. is, is that brother-in-law. Maybe for our conversation, though, we might not talk about him as much because... Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I, I think he would be another one that I would probably consider... Yep. Cool. And I think that's probably a good launching point, unless you had anything else to dig into. No, I don't think so. Um, Highly recommend. And 
enjoy if you're going to go watch it. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So stick around with us if you've seen the movie or if you don't mind spoilers, but we're going to talk about the rest of the film. We're going to talk about the themes, some of the technical aspects, and then, you know, dig into some of our favorite characters as we go. And then, you know, if you want to stick around or fast forward to the end where we discuss what else has been entertaining us this week, then feel free to do so. Um, but if, if that's it, then we'll go ahead and move along. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Let's get going, man. Um, I don't, where should we start? I guess, um, there's so much, but we kind of picked out one of the big themes we wanted to talk about, which was duality and how we can only see half of the truth. And this it ties in with those pretty much five main characters with the mom, the dad, the two kids and the grandma. Those are the key players here in this theme, I would say. Yeah. And so we can start, um, maybe we'll just go top to bottom, like age wise, start with the grandma, kind of how she presents these themes um and like you said she's kind of the vehicle for these characters i never really thought about that until you were kind of mentioning it how i mean that's a pretty key moment in the switch of all these characters of like now they're kind of considering life considering all these things regret Mm -hmm. um spirituality faith you know all these things yeah so the grandma is really cool in that in that sense but i mean is there any like specific scenes where I don't the grandma's not as important as the other characters that talk to the grandma. Yeah, exactly. She's she's less of really a character and kind of more of like a plot device, I would she's say. She's almost like a mirror or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She she exists so that the other characters can vocalize some of their inner feelings and also, like you said, kind of catalyze a lot of these uh questions and um fears and hopes and mm-hmm. you know, all of those things that start popping up uh throughout the movie. But yeah, I mean as far as the grandma herself, I don't know if she really uh, brings forth any themes of duality. Um, she's definitely kind of teetering on the edge of, of death and life. She's pretty old. Um, and, you know, we've already kind of gone into spoilers, but she does yeah. pass away at the end of the mm-hmm. movie. And that's pretty critical because I think that she has lived a long life. And we always look to old people for like that wisdom and some, you know, insight into what we should be doing with life. And a lot of these characters, you know, they they try to express, you know, what's going on in their life to her, but they they have this inadequacy sort of feeling inside them that like, what could I possibly tell her that she doesn't already know or that isn't just totally boring? Um, The mom of the family, Min Min, she really struggles with, you know, my life is pretty meaningless. It's boring. It's mundane. You know, I don't have anything interesting to say to my own mother. Mm -hmm. And she really struggles with that for a lot of the film. That's kind of her big struggle, I'd say. Um, and then, yeah. What would you say is maybe the father or if you have anything Um, real quick, uh, I would just say like, it's interesting. We've talked about how the grandma's, uh, inevitable death and passing. I like how the movie begins with the wedding and ends with the funeral. And the funny thing is, that's the first thing I ever heard about this movie. Yeah, sure. Like, I heard, yeah, it begins with the wedding, ends with the funeral. And so, like, the whole time I knew someone was gonna die. I mean, I didn't really know who, I don't think. But I think that's also interesting, like, kind of the duality almost. It's like, the marriage is like a new new beginning, and the death is like a, it's a passing, of course. But anyways, just thinking about that and, like, relationship to my own life, like, I think it's kind of a relatable aspect when, like, someone is passing, 
it kind of makes you think about like what you appreciate and like the things in your life. And so that raises like all the things for the characters, like we said. So yeah, the, the mother, she has her kind of spiritual journey and her, you know, journey with, is my life meaningful? Her, that whole thread. And the father has his, like, he gets to relive part of his youth when his wife is gone. And also when he's talking to the mother, he's questioning, he never really wanted to talk to her. Sorry, the grandmother, his mother-in-law. Yeah. He's questioning, uh, he relates it to prayer. When he finally talks to her, he's, he says, I don't know if the other party is listening and I'm not sure if I'm being sincere enough and those kind of things. So there's like some sub themes of spirituality and things there to discuss or to explore, maybe not discuss, but, uh, and then I guess Ting Ting, if we mm. move to her, she's got, uh, the kind of that guilt because she was like the cause of maybe the grandmother's illness because she didn't take the garbage out like she was supposed to. Uh So the grandmother had to. And so the whole time she's really feeling guilty. And one of the things I noticed was the plant that she has. And in school Mm -hmm. they say, if you're over nurturing the plant, then it's not going to bloom. And that's kind of how like her relationship with her grandma in a way where she's feeling all this guilt and she keeps like, I don't know if you forgave me. I don't know if you forgave me. Yeah. And finally when the grandma passes, the flower starts blooming and so that was kind of another interesting little thread there. I don't yeah. know if anything to say about like the father and the ting ting and stuff. I mean, we're going to yeah. talk about the father later. It's so. true. It does just um, you bringing up the plant thing. It makes me it makes me think about that overnurturing aspect. Um she gets made fun of in school for, you know, overnurturing the plant and causing it to wilt a little more. And um I think that's really interesting. I think maybe one of the things that Yang is going for here is um to just kind of let life play out, just kind of let things be and, you know, work through your challenges as best as you can. But if you spend all of your time focusing and trying to resolve these issues, it's probably going to make them worse or you're just not going to be happy. Yeah. And so that's probably something that uh, at least that Ting Ting thread uh, is going for. Uh, As far as her plot, she does interact with, some of her peers more than she does with her own family. Right. She has a lot of scenes with Lily um, and Lily's boyfriend, Fatty, who are kind of, you know, they're having a little bit of a spat, you could say. A little bit of a love triangle. Yeah. Well, there. definitely, I mean, Fatty is kind of like, yeah. And this goes back to the duality thing, like how we only get half of the story, half of the truth. Right. And I think a lot of the movie is seen through the eyes of our central family. And so when we look out at the others, we're seeing it through their eyes. So when we look at the relationship between Lily and Fatty, we don't ever get scenes with just them That's two. That's true. We get it. But we get we, them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. We get them mm-hmm. through the eyes of Ting Ting. And um, from her perspective, you know, the... Um, Fatty is kind of abusive to Lily and they're fighting and stuff. And so like Ting Ting is kind of the middleman for a while while they're fighting, delivering notes back Mm -hmm. and forth. And then she says, I'm not going to do this anymore. And Fatty's like, no, I have a note for you. Basically he's kind of asking her out and they start going on dates and then, you know, that, that gets broken off. Anyway, all this to say that I think Ting Ting's big challenge uh, or, you know, obstacle that she's facing is that idea of, you know, the truth and, you know, accepting the truth and being honest with other people 
she's confronted by Lily at one point and she kind of just shrugs it off like, no, we're just friends. You know, even Classic. though she's, she's kind of dating Fatty at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it's interesting. I think Lily, or no, Ting Ting is kind of just trying to do the best she can. She's pretty innocent. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say about her. That, that um, plot line was one of the ones that I wasn't super in yeah, on. Yeah, I wanted to uh, relate that. It's There's a couple scenes where it cuts between her and Fatty and then the dad and was it Sherry was like his yeah. ex like lover. There was some really interesting cutting between uh, the dad telling stories of when they started dating and then it cut to like uh, cut to Ting Ting and Fatty going out. And so there was some interesting you kind of noticed uh, you mentioned to me that that was like we saw from the dad's perspective, but then Ting Ting was like from Sherry's perspective. So we kind of get that duality there with those two. Yeah. That was a cool uh, like way that two, like not a lot of the characters relate to each other, like are yeah are on the same level, I guess. And I don't know how to say it exactly. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So I don't know if you wanted to mention anything about that, but I thought that was really cool. The way they related the daughter's uh, relationship with the father's retelling and his uh, journey with Sherry at the time definitely yeah it goes back to how i mean i think all of this hinges on that conversation with the father and the son in the car yeah um that's to me the central moment of the movie it's the first time when we really start to see the surface the themes start to surface and it it starts cluing us into maybe what we should be looking for in the film it's when yang yang asks his father he basically says, we can only know half of the truth, right? Um, he says other things, but that that's kind of the crux of it. And, yeah. and I think, like you pointed out, the father's relationship with Sherry, his like high school ex, you see his perspective. You see how you know he had his reasons for leaving her um, and he didn't really get, maybe give her a second thought or also like the aftermath, like yeah. how his life has played out since then, right, exactly. which is cool. Exactly. And how he, he maybe married like his second choice. You can yeah. tell he's not super yeah. happy in his home life. Uh, but yeah, like you said with Ting Ting, her relationship with fatty, because he moves on like to go back for Lily at the end. And she's stuck there. Like I didn't do anything wrong. Why do, why is life so unfair? And I think that gives us some insight into maybe what Sherry went through yeah. all those years ago. And so I really like that element and how, you know, these characters are dealing with the relationships between each other. And, you know, sometimes we don't make the best choices, but we kind of have to deal with the results that we have mm-hmm. and just kind of move forward to try to be happy. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Yang Yang or Yang Yang, the little yeah. boy? Yeah, uh, he's definitely maybe my favorite character. He's awesome. He's so adorable. He's super intelligent and like he's really the vehicle and the voice of Edward Yang in mm-hmm. the way that he present. I mean, he's the one that's always talking about seeing both sides, how we can only see half the truth. He's the one that brings those things forward with his camera, taking pictures of the backs of people's heads and all that type of thing. He takes the picture of the uncle's head, tells him, you can't see it, so I'll help you out. Yeah. That type of thing. Um, the thing I liked about him most that it's taken me the second rewatch and the thinking about it is everything about him, he never talks about what he's doing. Like, I guess to other characters, the things that they do is 
discussed in dialogue. Mm-hmm. His is really just shown, like, sitting in the bathtub, filling up the balloon, and then later trying to drop it on the girl, and then practicing holding his breath in the sink. And, like, it's just these little clips and, like, snapshots where we don't really get the full picture till later when you can kind of start connecting those dots. And I love that. Like, he's so calculated and smart, and he's only an eight-year-old, but he's also yeah. super naive when we see that in, like, when he's talking to his grandma at the end, like, reading that message. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really know that she's dead and like gone and yeah. whether like personally people believe in an afterlife or whatnot he's questioning you know can i once i find where you went can i bring people there can i show them the other side of wherever you've gone and yeah all that is really cool he's such an important character definitely the main focus of the movie um that kind of ties everyone together in a way yeah i really liked all the stuff with him um like you said the director chooses to show us what he's doing. He doesn't really have a lot of dialogue with other characters. It just kind of follows him around and we get to see, I mean, I think most people can relate to the mind of a child, Mm -hmm. how you just kind of have that curiosity and you don't really know why you do things, but you just do them because you feel like you should, you know? You know, I I probably got in trouble a lot as a kid for doing things. And like our dad would ask me, why, why did you do that? And I just shrugged my shoulders. Like, I honestly don't know. Like I just wanted to see what would happen. And so I think a lot of kids are like that. Um, and this kid definitely is, he, you know, he, he's dealing with that balloon and he just kind of picks up things from his environment. And then he starts applying them to, you know, see what he can do. You know, you mentioned earlier in the wedding, uh, someone pops a balloon on accident with a cigar and it startles the dad and then, yeah. you know, he gets at the idea to get back at the girls who are taunting him by popping a balloon right behind them mm-hmm. and freaking them out. And then, you know, he he watches that girl swimming. And so he tries to hold his breath in the sink. And then he tries swimming himself. And that was a moment where, like you said, uh, it starts with the wedding and ends at the funeral and when that scene, when he jumped in the pool, I was like, shoot, I thought it was going to be the yeah. grandma who dies, but it's the flipping yeah. kid. Like, no. <laughs> I was so scared of that. Like, because, uh, yeah, you just kind of hear him gasping. Like, it sounds like he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes silent and you're just wondering what is going on. Uh, but then, you know, sure enough, the next scene, the door opens and he's soaking wet, grinning from ear to ear, just yeah. sloshing into the house. And it's so funny. Such a great moment. Uh, but his character definitely, uh, he's expressing most of the, the major themes, I think, with that, you know, his pictures and with the questions that he's asking. Um, I really, I really like the fact that he can see um, that there's two sides of people, that you can only see what's in front of you. You can't see what's behind you. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot, the, the biggest reason why I think he's the voice of the director as well is that um, he has a camera and he knows that by using a camera, he can show people what they can't see. And if you apply that to like Mm -hmm. art and cinema, you know, Edward Yang uses a film camera to show us what we can't see. And it's kind of up to us. Like we talked about the Lego set, putting the pieces of the movie together. He leaves it up to us to figure out what it is that we can't see in our own selves and uh, by showing us these characters lives and you know letting us pick up the pieces yes letting us make the picture yeah yeah that's super cool and another thing i noticed with yang yang and 
the way it relates to cameras is really the only movements of the camera or the panning shots, tracking, all that stuff is with Yang Yang. There's no other, all the other characters, all the cameras is always stationary. And I, I don't know, I think that creates like, uh, I don't know exactly what that means 100%, but uh, it's very interesting. And I guess it's kind of like capturing that childlike, he, he's the one in movement. He's the one questioning stuff. He's the one, you know, driving everything forward and mm -hmm. all those types of things. Yeah, it's kind of that duality as well with the world. There's two sides of the world. There's a lot of good parts of the world and happy moments. And I think that's probably more commonly reserved for the youth. Mm -hmm. uh, young Yang definitely to a greater degree than his older sister Ting Ting, who gets some of those happy, joyful moments. She's still pretty innocent and pure, but Yang Yang is definitely... Um, just a kid, you know, he's everything, everything is above him. Everything is beautiful and grand and big. And then by contrast, his father is kind of always looking down. He's always hanging his head with a sense of regret or, you know, he's, he's doubtful and you just get the sense that he, he's just a really sheepish character. It doesn't seem like he knows what to do at any moment. And he's just kind of like hanging around while other people kind of just kind coasting. Of, yeah, and and it's it's the two ways to see the world, you know. It's um, from the child's perspective or from the adult's more jaded perspective, I guess. Um, and and I like that with how people are shot um, with Yang Yang. You know, the camera's in motion more, but just the framing devices that Yang uses with the movie. Um, one of the scenes that really stands out to me uh, was the scene with the mother where she's crying about her life. Uh, did you want to maybe dig into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, I know, I mean, we, okay, so we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and I know that was, like, something you were mentioning to me that I didn't really notice as much, some of the things there, but that's a really cool scene as well. Um, I'll let you talk about that one, but if you want me to talk about something else first, and then we can come sure. back. Um, so I would like to mention the use of kind of, I noticed the, there's lots of shots of the city, of big buildings, lots of windows, there's lots of reflections in windows, lots of mirrors, uh, and some of that with like the buildings and stuff might be some sort of commentary on, you know, Taiwan as a society, you know, the kind of that uh, modern, you know, the moving forward and more building and all that kind of stuff. Some of the framing is really wide and big and the characters are framed between like big highways or in between big pillars, like all that type of stuff or it's contrasted in the other sense of really intimate settings framed inside of houses and like hallways. And I thought that was a really interesting contrast that Yang uses, uh, like visually, visual language type. And then, uh, yeah, with those reflections, there's lots of uses uh, through the windows with the mother. I remember some of the scenes with her that were really cool that I want to revisit and Stuff like that. And there was also like the mirror in that one scene with the mother. So go ahead with that one. Yeah, I just really like how Edward Yang chooses to shoot the characters uh, a lot of times by themselves in a single shot. Uh, in this scenario, um, it's a very long shot, which is common in the movie. And it's the mom. She's crying about how her life is mundane and how she doesn't feel like she has anything important to say to her mother. Uh, like we kind of mentioned that already, but just the way that 
she is framed in the shot. You see her face, she's crying. And then the back of her head is in the mirror and it, it kind of just looks like a back of the head, like normally would. If she was happy, if she was sad, it would look the same. And the back of the head is quite a big element in the movie thematically. I think mm. that's what Yang Yang chooses to take pictures of. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of a big player, at least in kind of that two sides of things how Yang Yang mentions that we can only see, you know, what's in front of us. We can't see what, what's behind. And like, you know, I've never been able to look at the back of my head before. Yeah. It's just something that's impossible. Even with can, two mirrors, it's really hard. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I can, like, I can see it in a reflection, but I've never been able to, like, look at it, you know, and it's different. And so uh, whatever that means, I think <laughs> yeah. just the framing of that shot was really good and how... Um, you know, Yang uses um, framing devices to show us that, you know, we are only getting half of the story. We're only looking at the wife. There is her husband in the scene. You know, he's there with her in the room, but we don't see him at all uh, in that shot. So it, it says a lot about, you know, our perspective on other people and, you know, how, you know, maybe we shouldn't judge people as much because we don't we only know half the truth really mm -hmm. uh if that sometimes so th that was interesting um yeah what else did you have i know you you studied a lot more about this movie like you've seen it more times yeah. than i have and you know more about like the taiwanese cinema of this era uh, did you have any like specific thoughts on sort of uh that element yeah i did want to take this opportunity to talk about taiwanese new cinema uh i did watch the video included on the supplements where it was a an expert on this that talked about it so that's definitely a better source but uh i've always since i watched this and a brighter summer day i've been meaning to check out like ho shao shen's work uh, some of the other that were like partnering with yang uh early on and they were making films together and stuff since then they've kind of broken up but the thing that's interesting about taiwanese new cinema movement is it's different from like the french new wave where it kind of focused on current issues, kind of the new, the future, where the Taiwan, their cinema previously was about propaganda and enforcing like nationalism and Chinese-ness to all this uh, society stuff that's, I don't know a lot of like history about, you know, Taiwan and their relationship with China and all that type of thing, which is a big part of the cinema. Mm -hmm. But previously it was about propaganda and all that type of stuff but the new wave they wanted to make new films with new directors that were kind of they would re-analyze history what had happened also kind of putting in new commentary on the current state of things how that's changed that's like a really cool thing and i noticed that a lot in this movie i think more in a brighter summer day there's more of that type of stuff going on compared to like this more like a family drama mm -hmm. like melodramatic family movie but um yeah it's really cool and like with the technical aspects they wanted to start shooting with sync sound they wanted to use those long shots and very few close-ups it's like ho shao shen some of his early work i guess is like really just he totally was a he was a lot stricter on the long shots than edward yang apparently mm. but they both kind of used that a lot and they felt that it helped create tension with the characters and helped kind of let things flow organically let the characters act and things to just kind of take their own place and come naturally instead of 
always cutting and ha- having like the cutting and the editing add that tension. It kind of was created naturally. And using all this was like a s- instinctive reaction against those 70s genre, 70s genre films of propaganda. And uh, they also thought it was kind of a technically higher standard of filmmaking. So it's really interesting. Uh, like we said, Yang just gives us all these, he gives us all of the uh, composite pictures and we kind of make our own observations and then kind of put up, put all together and make a bigger picture based on what we've seen. And this movie is a really prime example of that idea, that kind of filmmaking philosophy. It's pretty unique. Like there's not a lot of movies I've seen like that. And so I'm really interested in exploring more from this era and see how that kind of relates. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that type of stuff? I and mean, when we talked about technical aspects, talked about that whole picture a bunch of times and how mm-hmm. information's presented, but... Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that this is of its own... It's, you know, it's it's of its own, I guess, in, in mm-hmm. this in this era, this period, in this part of the world. Uh, I I might differ from you in that I'm... It's probably not something that I really want to dig into uh, anytime soon. You know, eventually I'll get to Brighter Summer Day, which is like probably your favorite movie, at least. Yeah, from it's one this, of my favorites from this, you know, period. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Right now, I'm kind of big into this like old Japanese kind of the samurai stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, I watched uh, Yojimbo. I guess spoiler. Oh no! Now, I'm probably not going to bring that up later, <laughs> but yeah, it. You know, this is interesting. But I just didn't really connect with it as much as I thought I might, or as much as I hoped I would. I definitely think that it gets better the more it's analyzed and discussed. Yeah. It's, it's more of an intellectual movie than it is like an emotional Yeah, one. Yang's a very intellectual filmmaker, which is another thing that guy was talking about. Hmm. Yeah, so like, I don't know, maybe it's just the place I'm at right now. I'm kind of looking for more uh, emotionally impactful movies, which... I definitely will get to as we get to mm-hmm. uh, the last segment. Oof. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- this movie's really good and I, I appreciate a lot about it. Um, there are certain things maybe that I didn't enjoy so much, but it's definitely a different... You have to come at it from a different angle, I think. And maybe I just wasn't totally prepared for it this time, but I, I can appreciate well, it and I can definitely yeah. see... Uh, why you like it so much. Um, yeah, I think we did talk about the father quite a bit and some of the other characters. Was there anyone else you wanted to mention just briefly that stood out to you a lot? Not really. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we... I was worried about this episode because since I love this movie so much, I was <laughs> worried we wouldn't be able to do it justice. But I think we've actually done a pretty good job at highlighting what highlighting at least what I love about this movie mm-hmm. and... Yeah, there's definitely so much more to explore here. And even, like, there's stuff that I know that we could explore, and there's stuff that I'm sure is there that I don't know about. I mean, this is just super layered and packed and so much to think about. And I'm sure, like, the first time I watched it, a lot more, I was a lot more impacted emotionally. And this next time, I dropped my rating about Half Star. I was just not as gripped by it. And I think that might change over the course of my life at different stages. So... That might be something to mention as well. Nice. But yeah, I don't know if I have anything, other characters or anything. I think we about, we did a good job, I think. So. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up a little bit really quick. Um, 
I guess, agree with your point about the fact that there is so much to dig into. Uh, I have quite a bit of notes from when I watched the movie, but some of them were just like, I guess it's just the, the end of that thread that I I didn't get a chance to tug at yeah. quite yet when I was too busy with the other things. In fact, there were moments when I literally had to pause the movie so that I could write down something or else I might miss whatever's happening while I'm writing it down mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, miss whatever happens <laughs> in the future. And I think there were definitely scenes that I don't remember at all. Uh, but there, there were quite a few where I noticed that there's something, you know, there's maybe a theme or an issue that the director's trying to get at. Uh, but I just didn't take the energy to really dive into them. So I can see how on multiple rewatches I can get more out of it and, yeah. and really start to, you know, dive into I feel a like we say that about the, every movie. But. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of the more minor. This probably more than any other though. Yeah. I think this movie has a lot going on, like I said. Even more so than The Godfather, which The Godfather's a little bit longer than this. Um, but I, I don't think that one has nearly as much thematic um, context that you can work through as this does. Um, definitely, technically, The Godfather is, you know, on par with this or probably superior to. Ooh. Just in terms yeah. of, you know, cinematography and, you know, framing and all that that Coppola used. But uh, this movie you know, being slightly shorter, it ha- it's a lot I think it's like more shorter packed. by two minutes or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's slower though. It has longer scenes of one thing. Mm-hmm. And there's more, you like know. I said, there's more yeah. people, there's more scenes. It's hard to compare, there's, I there's guess. There's more <laughs> stuffed in. And so I think there is more to dig into here, uh, at least for me. But yeah. Cool. Um, I really liked the brother-in-law character. I think he's really funny. He's all talking about luck all the time. And yeah. He's just one of the more boisterous, humorous characters, and I always connect with those people. Dude, that was another swerve. I totally thought, like, when he was in the bathroom, yeah, he's dead, or, like, I, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Yeah, because his wife is, like, crying, and, why didn't you open the window? Why didn't you open the window? And, like, and then the next scene, he's, like, sitting there, yeah. up, upright. I was like, oh, like, okay, boy. I guess he didn't die. That's weird. I didn't know what happened. Yeah, I still, the gas. I'm still not 100% sure. There was a gas leak or something? I think he opened, turned on the gas. He was like super drunk and maybe he was trying yeah. to kill himself. I'm not really sure. Yeah, because the scene right before that, he's like, it's all over. Yeah. You know, and he yeah, looks very scene, sad so. uh, because what had happened right before then? The big party with the fight with his ex. Yeah. The baby shower type thing. She like ruined yeah. the baby shower. And that was a whole another. It was a whole setup because they're trying to. They're just trying to cause issues between yeah. him and, him the and wife. his wife. Yeah. It's a whole other sub. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like we said. Uh, I think it's a good place to wrap up. And, uh, nice. Um, I, I would say after I watched the movie, I would probably have rated it about three stars. Mm-hmm. You just kind of like right down the middle, solid movie. But I think I'm going to move it up. Um, probably four, four stars. I think sounds good. Room to to grow at least. Yeah. Four out of five, uh, which is usually reserved for the movies that I really appreciate. I know they're good, but I don't necessarily love as much. Yeah. I, like I said before, I rated this five stars previously, brought it down to four and a half this viewing, but still not a, not a, uh, jab at the movie by any means. Uh, excellent. Still love it. Probably still one of my favorites. Um, maybe like top 25 range type stuff. I don't know exactly where it would land. But yeah, I'm excited to 
Dig into it. I'm really glad that you were able to watch it. Yeah. This is one I've been wanting to watch, wanting you to watch for a while, and that we were able to explore some things. And yeah, I'm glad we did this justice. I think we did a good job at talking about it. And I hope it made sense. I think, I think we, yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but mm-hmm. sweet. Cool. All right. Now for the moment that I've been Ooh. waiting for for a few days now. Yeah. What else has been entertaining you this week? Uh, I'm going to let you start and then I'll okay. get to it. So I watched this movie by uh, this Taiwanese director called Yi. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Watch it. We should talk about that one someday, but. <laughs> Uh, another director that I really love, I've been trying to complete his filmography and I'm getting really, really close because he hasn't made very many movies, similar to Edward Yang actually, but this guy is from France and it's Jacques Tati and this is Playtime from 1967. I'm sure this will make it on my six from the sixties at the end of the month. Uh, it's my favorite Hulu film by now. Uh, Monster Hulu's Holiday, Mon Oncle. And does it's kind of a progression, and this one picks off right where Mon Uncle left off, mm. and just the progression. I don't want to give too much away because it's really quite the experience to see this interesting arc. It's nothing that I've ever seen before. These movies are so different, but it was similar to me to the Gold Rush from Charlie Chaplin. Kind of just like this character. Um, it's like this stark difference between who the character is and where the character is, and that just creates so much interesting things to explore and just the physical comedy alone in this movie is some of the best some of the bits i don't think i'll ever forget they're so funny i can remember exactly the way they played out and where they played out there's a couple key locations and i just think tati is so smart in how he's tackling his satire of modernism there's uh it's set in a place where paris's history is only a reflection in the many panes of glass of these modern buildings, huh. like just all this interesting commentary. And I love this so much more than the previous two films. I don't know how traffic, traffic, traffic is. And then parade. Those are the last two, Right. but this one was so good. Uh, I rated it four and a half stars, but excited to watch it again. And I haven't been able to say that about his other films. So yeah, I recommend the Hulo adventure. Nice. Uh, watch this on Criterion channel. Yeah. So yeah, Sweet. Uh, I could mention one, or if you want to do one and come back, I whatever. Um, mine go really hand in hand. So how Kay. about you finish? Okay, I'll just do one quick one. So, I mentioned last time talking about Twin Peaks, and I finally wrapped up season two. Nice. Actually, it's like its thirtieth anniversary. So it was like I don't know. I didn't even plan that. It just like worked <laughs> out. But season the end of season two was so good. Highly recommend Twin Peaks. And I watch uh, since I've been watching that. I've been wanting to revisit a movie and live in Mr. Lynch's universe a little bit more. So I watched Eraserhead, 1977. This is, of course, a classic. Uh, yeah, it's so crazy. I started it a couple months ago, about 20 minutes in. Finally, again, Twin Peaks revisited it. And it was very interesting. A <laughs> unique experience, I would say. Yeah. Deeply disturbing. Uh I I appreciate it. I didn't really like it a whole lot, and I don't really love it. But mm. really glad I saw it. It's one that I, it's one that I am glad I saw, and I'm I like thinking about it. But I don't know if I'll watch it again soon. Mm-hmm. But very interesting. Highly recommend that one as well. Yeah, I'm a big David Lynch fan. I've seen all of Twin Peaks except for the Return series. I'm gonna get to that once you're done yeah. with my yeah. Yeah, I need to watch set. that. Uh, 
I love Eraserhead, but I think probably Mulholland Drive is kind of his masterpiece, um, if there was one. But, I mean, <laughs> he's so good that... I really want to go back through some of his filmography. Obviously, Blue Velvet is a yeah. big blind spot for me. And then, you know, Wild at Heart, Inland Empire, some of these other films that I hadn't quite seen. I've watched Dumbland, which is like his nice. hand-drawn, like really crudely drawn animation. <laughs> it's like a pencil. Uh, it's like an animated series or whatever. Super short. Really weird. Typical Lynch just like makes you question what your life is. But yep. uh, it's really good. Cool. Yep. But I'm glad you watched that. I yeah. love Eraserhead. So we might have to talk about that later. Yeah. Down the road. But Cool. All right, kick it over to you, my guy. Dude, I have been so hyped. Just like last week when you were talking about I don't know if Twin Peaks. I don't know if this episode will air before our one where I talked about Twin Peaks cuz that, oh, that's true. Anyways, a little bit peel behind the curtain here, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. But um yeah, so this is a movie I've been wanting to watch for a while, and this I isn't think, the... I think I know what it is, but maybe I'm going to write down my guess. Okay. <laughs> it's a movie I've been wanting to watch for a while. And uh, <laughs> now that you've written down your guess, I'm going to say that it's it's not the movie that I want, that you're going to be hyped about. It's my other recommend. Okay. This is way too I'm convoluted. Okay. So it's a movie. came out in 2019. As I'm finishing up my year-end list, I know we already made an episode about our top 10 of the year. And... Uh, I already kind of, you know, put a lot of my thoughts out there, but there were a few blind spots from last year that I did not catch up with, and I wanted to see them. And I wanted to rewatch some ones that I had seen. So recently I watched Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. uh, which is really good, uh, even on the second viewing. And then I watched Waves. It's a 2019 movie by Trey Edward Schultz, who previously directed It Comes at Night and Cresha, two movies that are probably very different. I haven't seen either of them. I just watched Waves, which is his 2019 movie. And man, like it's one of the best movies that I've ever seen, probably. Wow. Uh, It was so, so amazing. I talked about how, you know, I'm looking for a movie that kind of hits emotionally. And this one uh, definitely did. Um, It's about... I'm just going to say... That, like, when the end credits roll, there's a song playing called Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes. And it's probably the most fitting description of what the movie is. Even though there's obviously so much more going on um, with the themes and the characters and everything. But it's so beautifully shot. There's so much bright, vibrant colors and lens flares and, you know, just... Beautiful, beautiful cinematography. One of the best cinematography in a movie that I've seen in a while. And the soundtrack is so good. It's it's one of the best soundtracks that I've ever heard because it's all of my favorite music in a movie. And I've never, ever had that. I mean, there's songs by Kanye West and Tyler, the creator, and her, and Frank Ocean, and like just a bunch of my favorite artists who, you know... I've really loved over the years and seeing, hearing all their, you know, music in this movie really enhanced the experience, but on its base level, I mean, the story is really, really moving. It's touching. It's super tragic in parts, but it's also super, super uplifting 
in parts. Um, I'm not a very easy cry. I definitely will get like kind of choked up or like emotional in movies, but it's not very often. Like it's super rare where I'll actually mm-hmm. like cry or like yeah. This I, movie, I, I dude. Agree. This movie, I cried multiple times, man. <laughs> it was so powerful, and like for better and for worse. I mean, for good and for bad. Like I was crying in happy moments and mm-hmm. in the sad moments. Um, but yeah, I super highly recommend it to anyone nice. out there who likes movies. Uh, <laughs> it's there's there's it's kind of two movies put into one but by the end of the movie you see why they were both put in the same film if that makes any sense weird uh it definitely shifts halfway through to a different character for the rest of the movie kind of reminds me of like a one car why like chunky and express type stuff Hmm. i haven't seen that but uh, maybe yeah Um, (laughs) it's really really good i mean it's just about like the burdens and the pressures that we have on us that are placed by other people or by ourselves and what we do with those and how we forgive others and just yeah. all that. It's It's got so much going on, but I feel like it really is focused on its themes, uh, which was a shortcoming of E that we talked about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Waves nice. by Trey Edward Schultz. Super good. Now, since I said all of that, now I'm going to say what my other recommend or my other thing is that I think is really good. So the movie has a lot of really good music and this is an artist that I really love that I haven't listened to one of their, um, albums (laughs) and well, I listened to it, but I didn't really appreciate it at the moment, but it's one of Trey Edward Schultz's favorite artists. And so he uses, some of the music from this album in the movie to great effect. And I just wanted to live in the headspace of this movie afterwards for a while. And so I started listening to Blonde by Frank Ocean. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's it? That's yeah. It. Oh. <laughs> I know you really like that album. And so, no, yeah, totally. Uh, I just, I never... I, I knew you were never that high on that album. I liked it a lot more than yeah, you Yeah, I was pretty disappointed. Channel Orange is like super good to me. Um, and I just never connected with Blonde. But yeah, I watched this movie probably last Friday. Today it's Thursday, and I have not stopped listening to the album. Like, it's so good to me. Nice. I love it. Um, some I'm of glad the, to hear that. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> I thought you'd watch Portrait Late on Fire now, but... No. Dang it. No. I don't think that would help you as much as... No, I was hyped. Dude. I was I was hoping you had seen that so we could talk about it, but... No, but... I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely some highlight tracks... Solo, Nights. Nights is good. Pink and White. Mm-hmm. Um, Siegfried is really good. And there's a couple. I mean, they're all good. Yeah. Uh, I really like Nikes, which is the first track. And yeah. Now I, I want to listen to that again. It's really, really good. Album. And the skits in between the songs are also really good. You know, the one with the mom who's sluggish lazy stupid <laughs> and unconcerned <laughs> yeah that's all that marijuana does to you really funny uh it's just really good i still don't know like what it all means like it's super abstract art just very experimental but it's really really enjoyable and it's it's uh it's basically the musical encapsulation of the film waves so uh, weird i mean cool that's I mean, kind of yeah. like that's kind of like what the director got his inspiration from is that album. So, huh. yeah, that's nice. all. Yeah, I, I don't. Say. I don't know if I've heard you be as high on a movie in a, in a long time. So, 
It blew me Waves away. Waves must be pretty good. Blew me away. Five stars. So if that means anything to anybody out there, yeah, I've never really heard ever be as high on a movie in a while. So <laughs> it shot right up to the top of my 2019 list. Uh, it's it's duking it out between Little Women right now. Ooh, uh, that's so, tough. Yeah, I know. It's a tough contest. Huh? It's a big. I just don't know yet, but I'll, I'll let you know. Cool. Righteous. And that's the end of our show. Uh, what are we discussing next week, bro? Next week's episode is our second entry into the Pixar project, where once a month we chronologically revisit each film in the Pixar catalog. In the case of next week, it is A Bug's Life from 1998. And if you want to go back in time and listen to our earlier episodes, those can all be found at brohaveyouseen.captivate.fm. Yep, and all of our episodes can be downloaded on iTunes and Spotify as well. Please take a second to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You have no idea how much it helps us grow the show and reach new listeners. If you have any feedback about the show, please let us know in your iTunes review, or you can now email us at brohaveyouseenpodcast at gmail.com. Definitely. Uh, Each new episode is posted at 6 a.m. on Fridays, Mountain Standard Time. If you want to see what else is entertaining me, check out my letterbox at everettclark236. And I'm at barnclark. B-A-R-N, barn. (laughs) See you next week, bro. See you, bro.